Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie. I'm here with my good friend, Rahul. But today we have a very special guest, the chair of Chelsea in America. Alison, welcome to the Premier Chelsea. Happy to be here. Alison, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? I know we're going to talk all things Chelsea in America, but how did you become a Chelsea fan? Sure. So uh, I went to college at Bucknell University in Pennsylvania, and uh, it's pretty popular to do study abroad um, at Bucknell. About half of the campus does it. And because my my foreign language skills are not my strong suit, uh, I picked England. <laughs> um, and uh, our dorm happened to be like right on King's Road in the heart wow. of Chelsea. And, you know, sports in general but especially uh in uh, in the in london you know being so like neighborhood driven and whatnot i mean chelsea was the local team i was a big sports fan and you know there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff going on right <laughs> uh so i really kind of just like dove headfirst into it and got hooked pretty quickly right um so that was back in 2004 um and you know when i first came back to the states it was a little bit harder than it is now to you know, watch matches and keep up with things, but thankfully a lot has evolved <laughs> since then. So, you know, it's, it's, gosh, it's easier, you know, for, for me to, you know, roll out of bed and, uh, you know, uh, watch Chelsea here uh, in Washington, DC, than it is for a lot of people much closer. So I've taken full advantage of that. You know, those early morning kickoffs are tough for all of us when we have to get in there. But when we get those wins, I think it gets us so energized on a Saturday and Sunday morning. You came in 04 to start supporting Chelsea. That was a wonderful year to become a Chelsea supporter. A lot of crazy things happened that year. Notably, a, a big person in 04. And obviously, beyond that was Roman Abramovich. I'll pass it over to Rahul because he wants to ask you a quick question about Roman Abramovich since there's a lot of news around him right now. Yeah, I, I guess the timing worked out because uh, when we thought of this question, we didn't know you actually supported, started supporting Chelsea in 2004. But uh, since then, obviously, he's about to uh, move on and, and, and we're going to have new owners. But any favorite player in, that, in, the, in the Roman era, as well as a manager that, you, you know, that sticks out to you? Oh, for, I mean, gosh, a lot of good ones to choose from, right? Uh, you know, my favorite, and it helps that they're, you know, like the best buddies that, you know, best buddy duo out there, right? Um, just, you know, JT and Frank, right? Like uh, amazing players, like in my opinion, like best of their position, like in the Premier League era. Um, I mean, Czech was, there's a, there's a lot of, I mean, Joey yeah. Cole was a fun one, you know, Czech, Drogba, even you know, like you know, the Ashley Cole folks that came over from other clubs and really cemented themselves as legends, right? The, I mean, it's really a spoil of riches. So, um, you know, the, the time and place of me, you know, becoming a Chelsea supporter was just kind of, you know, a bit kind of thrust upon me, but, you know, I, I recognize how lucky I am with uh, the timing of all that for sure. Absolutely. And I think Jackie and I, it, it would be tough for us to pick, but he might pick Lampard and I would pick John Terry. So uh, we're fully aligned, but in terms of a manager, I think Jose Mourinho would be an obvious choice, but uh, maybe Robbie Di Matteo bringing the first Champions League home. Yeah, I mean, overall, despite all the up and downs, I mean, it's hard not to pick Jose. I mean, like, right. what a fantastic uh, leader for the club. But yeah, in terms of like moments, like, like obviously that Champions League, <laughs> the first Champions League win sticks out. And I mean, what a tumultuous season too, right? And just, you know, the, I think a lot of credit to, um, to Di Matteo for just, you know, trying to 
hold everything together, right? Because you know, no one expected us to win that. And then, you know, here we are now a two-time winner. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll touch on the FA Cup that Di Matteo won too in a, in a, later in the episode. But uh, we want to switch gears. And, and Jackie mentioned at the open uh, opening of the show that you are the chair of the Chelsea in America uh, group or organization. Um, so Jackie, I'll start with the first one and then you can pick up the second question. It's it's a simple question, but I'm sure it's not a simple answer. But who is Chelsea in America, right? We we all hear about it. We've seen it on on social media. But um, in your words, how would you describe it? Sure. So we're basically a coalition of supporters clubs, right? So uh, who we are, you know, it's it's the Mid Atlantic Blues, it's the Carefree California, right? It's uh, you know, and I'm our current chair. Um, uh, as the secretary of the Mid-Atlantic Blues, but you know, uh, there's certainly been other leaders before me, and it's just kind of my turn to my turn to help out. But we really exist to try and provide common set of infrastructure to support uh, the you know 45 plus supporters clubs around the country who are part of our coalition. And there's a lot of other supporters clubs that are awesome that aren't part of the coalition, right? We're all we all support Chelsea. We're all you know uh, blue friends and family, as far as I'm concerned. But for the members that are part of our coalition, um, you know, we're here to be a resource. We do a lot of work helping to get new clubs off the ground, right? Um, you know, there's more interest in Chelsea than ever. Um, and yet the supporters club culture, it's a little unique to football, right? So um, the notion of really trying to build that up from the ground and help provide the support behind that, uh, I think is where we can do the, is where we do the most uh, hopefully create the most value for the clubs uh, that we work with. Yeah, absolutely. I, you mentioned a lot of new clubs. I think that's one, that was one of the ways I think you and I connected initially was, I was like, I think I want to start something in Rhode Island. And, and you said, kind of laid out to me how that would work. Um, I've moved on since from Rhode Island, but uh, I know there's still a few fans out there that, that do get together and watch the games. Uh, Jackie, you want to take the next question? Yeah, I think you've done, you've done a good job of explaining who Chelsea in America is. And my question was going to be around the benefits of joining Chelsea in America. But I think it's more about, you know, the benefits of joining your local club, because ultimately, I think they all roll up into Chelsea of America. So somebody who's new out there who fell in love with Chelsea, fell in love with maybe a, Thomas Tuchel or, you know, Rudiger's leaving. They fell in love with Rudiger now. Now they want to get involved with more friends, family that are Chelsea people. What are the benefits of joining a club and ultimately rolling up into Chelsea in America? Sure. Well, one, the first thing someone uh, who's not part of a supporters club should do, go to the Fifth Stand app, search for, regardless of whether they're part of Chelsea in America or not, find a club close to you. It is so much more fun to go to the pub or even just to someone's house, right? Watch with other people and really be part of a community than it is to, you know, look at, I watch on my laptop when I have to, but, you know, it's much more fun when I can do it with others, right? Right. Um, And that's how you learn a lot of the traditions and history of the club, um, through that process, right? So in general, very pro supporters club, find one close to you, start one if there's not one, right? This is a, it's, I think it's a really unique opportunity. Um, but in terms of basically the, uh, the benefits that we offer our members kind of be above, and be above and beyond that local engagement, um, basically our size is to our advantage, right? We're able to, um, you know, our, our club in Washington, D.C. that I watch matches with, like, we're pretty large, right, like several hundred um, members, but 
you know, you add that up with a lot of other clubs. Now all of a sudden we have thousands of members. We can negotiate with sponsors. We can, uh, you know, get better, um, uh, you know, we can do better prize giveaways and kind of, you know, uh, you know, have better merchandise and, uh, you know, member gifts to offer, um, uh, you know, people who join in things like that. Right. So we try to kind of leverage economies of scale. Um, and then a lot of the benefits are more on the back end to the clubs themselves. Right. Um, being able to kind of share web infrastructure, ticketing infrastructure and things like that. Um, uh, you know, we're a registered nonprofit, um, so we can handle um, you know, some of this, like the basic financials and whatnot that save, you know, 45 people out there going and trying to figure out how I start a, you know, a business checking account. So you don't have to pay for everything out of your pocket, right? Um, so should we just try to make it easier to operate as a supporters club um, and offer, you know, prizes, giveaways. Uh, we, we organize a lot of, uh, you know, events, um, whenever Chelsea come to America and things like that for summer tours. And uh, uh, so, you know, we just try to offer as much as we can as a, you know, a group of volunteers. Uh, there's only so much we can do, but we try our best. And I think you hit on some very key points there. Rahul and I want to go watch Chelsea in America when they come on tour. And so having this infrastructure set up, I can go to my local club, ask them to help me with ticket information, figure out who all is going, maybe make a friend, go together to watch the games together. But, you know, around that, it comes back to ticketing as well. And Rahul, I'll give it back to you to talk a little bit about ticketing because Chelsea is coming up over here soon. Yeah, and, and it's not just uh, ticketing for the summer tour, but also I, I know Allison and, and the group and, and um, Chelsea in America do ticketing for the games in London and in Europe. Um, and so I wanted to touch on that because... I'm part of the Facebook group, the Chelsea in America group, but also on Twitter, I see a lot of people asking the question, can I get a ticket for next week's game? And, and so I think there seems to be some um, confusion in the sense that Chelsea in America can make it happen overnight, which is not the case because these things do take time. And, and I know you work extremely hard with, the, with some of the other guys, but how does ticketing work through uh, Chelsea in America? Sure. Yeah, no, we spend a lot of time answering questions and always happy to do it. So if someone's considering a trip over and they just want, again, whether you're a member or not, right, you want someone to point you in the right direction. Uh, it's more complicated than just buying a game, uh, tickets like an NBA right. match or an NFL match in the States where you just go on Ticketmaster and if it's sold out, you go to StubHub, right? Like, uh, you know, you need memberships um, and it's just a lot higher demand, Um to go to especially regular season matches. So um, the summer tour is obviously a little more widely accessible. Um, we've been selling uh, tickets through our supporters clubs in the Chelsea away end. Um, Non-members can also just go to Chelsea and it's uh, pretty clearly labeled what side of the stadium the Arsenal fans are in, what side of the stadium the Chelsea fans are in. So uh, if you're not right next to us, you can certainly be on the, the right side of the field and come to our tailgates and all that kind of jazz. Um, for regular season uh, matches, um, I always tell people, look at if you, if you find yourself unexpectedly going over, right, and you're not a member of supporters club and you want to check it out, like because a lot of memberships are required, right, um, if you can afford it, like the best kind of last chance um, way to do it is to look into the more expensive hospitality tickets that clubs sell, right, and just because the kind of the more the VIP tickets that yeah. don't require memberships. Um, but uh, with a little more advanced planning, <laughs> uh, you know, you can acquire the correct memberships, order via the supporters club process and end up with face value tickets that are 
just awesome, right? I've been in, you know, the, the second row of shed lower, you know, right behind the goal and just, you know, you just, you can't describe that kind of atmosphere. It's just awesome, right? Um, but uh, basically the kind of the shorthand, and we have a tutorial on the, or there's an FAQ on the chelseainamerica.com, right? So uh, I'll go over the highlights, but that's a good place to kind of deep dive into the broader process. But basically, uh, Anyone who wants non-hospitality tickets needs a ticketing membership from Chelsea. So you buy that on the Chelsea website. It's what used to be called True Blue. Um, now they just call them ticketing memberships. Um, and then if you're also a member of a qualified supporters club, um, of which Mid-Atlantic Blues, um, as an example, is a platinum level supporters club, um, we can link your memberships if you're a member of both. And then uh, you're, you can order like one ticket per member. Um, that are non-transferable uh, through uh, through the supporters club a little bit farther in advance than you'd otherwise be able to order them. So it's a um, we're lucky that Chelsea has that kind of setup. Not all Premier League clubs do, um, and it allow. I mean, every at a, you know probably every other match we have. I mean, not like huge numbers, right? But from Mid Atlantic, you know, you know, a couple going over, a family right. of four going over, right? Um, and it's kind of all spread out throughout the year, and uh, it's a you know, it's bucket list material for a lot of people to be able to go to that. And it's really cool to be able to help facilitate that and give them advice about, Hey, like what part of the stadium would be best right. you know, for you to sit in depending on, you know, the vibe you're going for and all that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely more complicated than uh, most American sports. So uh, plan in advance, um, ask questions and uh, you know, don't, don't email me like two days before the <laughs> FA Cup final because of, you, you're, you're not Nick, no, no one's getting you those tickets you know what I mean? the, uh, uh, it's just impossible but you know best of luck <laughs> yeah and I, I have been on the end of of emailing you a couple of days before being like I need tickets I'm going to London and, and you're like I'd love to help you but I can't um, so yeah plan plan in advance is definitely uh, the key here talking about planning in advance I know memberships open up for next season uh, I think in a couple of weeks here and and um, I wanted to touch on that. So how, in terms of that, the process stays open, the, the window stays open to apply and become a member for about the whole summer or, or right before the end of uh, the beginning of the new season? It actually stays open longer than that, right? So we um, uh, will we normally open up tickets or sorry, membership um, mid to, mid-May to early June. This year, I think it's looking more like early June. Um, but that, that'll stay open until like early December, right? So if uh, some new, I don't know, some new fans stumbles across this podcast, you know, six months from now, it's not too late, right? You know, you can still go on and, uh, and join. Um, but uh, certainly encourage people to sign up early. We offer renewal, dis- like early bird renewal discounts for existing members. Um, and again, even regardless of supporters club, if, if anyone is interested in purchasing the ticketing membership from Chelsea, um, if you order that before a certain deadline and it changes a bit each year, but normally if you order that by mid-July, you'll get five loyalty points um, automatically added to your account. And those can come in handy um, as a lot of matches are sold on loyalty point basis. Right. And you know, you'd, you'd, five isn't a ton, but you'd rather have five than have zero. So uh, that's why we encourage folks to sign up uh, early in the summer uh, if they're interested. Yeah, um, and I know once you guys open it up, uh, like you said in early June, we'll 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 happily promote it and get the word out there for Thank anyone you. new that that you know wants to join. Um, I'll, I'll obviously be renewing, but 
And I, I, I do want to, on a side note, just point out that you do send out a letter welcoming you and, and a couple of coupon codes and stuff, which I personally enjoy. And uh, my favorite one, the gift has been the baggage tag that came uh, from the Chelsea in America, which I've put probably on my bag. Uh, but Jackie, you, you have another question on, uh, on the group? Yeah, so I mean, memberships are great and everything, but let's say I've been active for a while and I want to volunteer and I want to get involved. I want to be part of the organization. What opportunities are available to, to someone like that? Oh, gosh, yeah, we will gladly take volunteers. Uh, <laughs> you know, we have a summer tour coming up. Uh, well, hopefully we'll be having a lot of cool events, opportunity to help out there. Um, I mean, normally I point people toward, and you know, if, okay, if you want to start a chapter, we'll try to be as helpful as we can uh, to help you in that endeavor. If you want to, you know, there's stuff you could do nationally, regionally, stuff for your local chapter, which is where I always kind of recommend people start, right? Um, because the more active a local chapter is, you know, it's kind of, a, it's, a, it's like a, a cycle of mutual benefit, right? You do more stuff, you attract new people, the new people want to do more stuff, right? It just kind of builds on itself over time. So, you know, I've had a lot of uh, awesome volunteer, new volunteers over the last two seasons in the mid-Atlantic area and you know, we're doing more charity work, we're doing more merchandise, so it just, you know, it allows us to do more stuff and engage our members, so that's, there's always opportunities to do that, just, you know, reach out via our social media or the email addresses on our website, and I'm sure we'll find something, you know, uh, fun for everyone to, to deal with, uh, to ha- help with. Exciting, and especially with, you know, this summer tour coming up, if there are events, I'm sure we, a lot of people out there would love to help as well and contribute, but let's talk a little bit about the summer tour. What can you tell us about it so far? Who are we playing? Who's coming? Where, which cities are they going to be in? I think that's really important information for people like us that are following Chelsea on tour. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the match I am most excited about because it's the one that has been officially announced and I have my tickets and I will be there um, is the uh, July 23rd in Orlando against uh, Arsenal. So a little London, London Derby outside of London should be a fun time. Um, we're uh, Chelsea in America is actively working with, you know, the, the Orlando blues are one of our affiliated chapters. They're awesome. They're getting, uh, you know, kind of a set up to do a cool party the night before at their awesome. pub, also organizing a big tailgate. Um, at the stadium the day of the event. Um, obviously, still a lot of details coming together uh, for that, but we'll make all that open to, you know, open to anyone. You don't need to be a member, right? Um, so uh, we'll put all that kind of information together on our website um, as it is finalized and hope we get to meet some new friends in that process. Um, and then again, I mean, I'm hoping, assuming all the sanctions are lifted and whatnot, um, you know, sometimes when they're able to, Chelsea, is also is doing, you know, uh, parties and events and whatnot. So depending, you know, if we get lucky, you can kind of have, you know, a bunch of different uh, stuff to go to day after day and it becomes a, a you know, a fun long weekend. Um, so that one is, you know, coming together. Well, um, there's obviously the, we know there's going to be two more, uh, two more matches yeah. uh, the, the weekend before and then midweek. Uh, it's been pretty widely reported um, in the press, at least, that those are rumored to be in Las Vegas and in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you know, I would be surprised if that's not the case, right, given how many, uh, but, you know, until anything's officially announced, and I think it'll probably happen within the next week or so, uh, you know, there's always like a last minute contract thing that can get switched around, right? There was one year that they were supposed to come to Washington, D.C., and everyone was reporting it, and then that match got moved to Miami, uh, oh, because of like a last minute like contract you know I don't 
some kind of like last minute switch. And I was like, oh, I mean, I mean, good for Miami, but it was really <laughs> sad for us up here. Um, but yeah, the, hopefully the details um, on those other ones will come together in the next week or two. And we're already doing some legwork to um, be ready to go if that is, uh, if that is the case as reported. Um, but yeah, pretty much any, any city that Chelsea's in, you can expect we will throw an awesome party <laughs> the night before uh, an awesome party the day of the match um, before that, whether it's at a bar or a tailgate or what have you um, in collaboration with the local chapter. It's such an awesome opportunity to kind of elevate them as the host and uh, you know, make sure everyone uh, has tickets, knows where to go. And is you know, we're wearing the right to right, right colors, <laughs> right colors to the match. Uh, Cause we have to, you know, do our best to outnumber all these arsenal folks in America. And I'm sure we will as well, because Chelsea's kind of the biggest club around now. But no, I think that's great news. We're going to be watching excitedly and see who we're going to be playing, especially if we announced and confirmed in North Carolina and Las Vegas. But Rahul, I'll bring it back to you. Maybe you have a few more questions. Otherwise, maybe we'll jump into a Leeds review. Yeah, I, I think let's jump into the Leeds review, because I'm sure Allison talks about Chelsea in America all the time. So let's talk about, <laughs> about a game and, and get some of your thoughts on that. So uh, I'll run through the starting 11, and then we have a couple of questions or just thoughts around uh, some of the players. So Mendy in goal, Chalaba comes back in, which was good to see. Christensen in for Thiago Silva uh, and Rudiger in the back three. Reese James at the right wing back, Jorginho, Kovacic, Alonso, uh, Mason Mount, six starts again, along with uh, Romelu Lukaku, which was good to see. So uh, I do want to start with the back three or, or at least the back two. Chalaba and Christensen come back in. Uh, any surprises for you, Allison, or was that just fixture pile up in terms of Thiago Silva getting rested ahead of the final and Chalba I think has earned the right to be playing uh, these kind of games yeah honestly I was you know when I saw the lineup I was uh I was really happy to see Chalaba in there right especially you know and look at you never I always kind of take it with a grain of salt but you know there's not you, know, you always have the rumors of like oh the manager's mad at this person or there's someone's out of form and I'm like you know why aren't they getting more playing time and you know, got the start today and everything I've heard, you know, was up to the task and did a great job. So, I mean, what a great opportunity for him. I think he's going to be such a great player for us moving forward. Yeah, he was definitely uh, one of the, all of them played well, but Chalaba did definitely shine uh, today. And it, it, like you said, it, it brings up a good point in terms of the academy boys can do the job and he has done it all season. Uh, Jackie Jorginho comes back in. He's been out for a couple of games along with Mason Mount who was rested at least in the, in the last fixture, uh, any surprises there or those two are, are part of the 11 and they will always find their way in. Yeah. They're always going to find their way. in, especially with, you know, some injuries and maybe Conte not being fully up to snuff, you're going to want to have him fresh and maybe getting those minutes and match ready for, for the weekend as well. And with Mount, I think he's been so instrumental. I'm wearing my Mount Jersey today as well. So He's got to play. He opens up the scoring. We'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. But I think just getting these guys on a, on a vein of good form before the weekend is, is important as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Allison, you mentioned um, rumors and stories coming out of the camp. Alonso starts and over the weekend or at least earlier this week, we had heard about a bust up with, with Tuchel uh, in, in that last game against Wolves where he was substituted at halftime. He starts again and that, that should put away any rumors or any stories that were broken about that bust up because Alonzo, I mean, Tuchel had spoken about it in his pre-match uh, press conference and then he plays him. I think that that story's done, right? 
you got to hope so, especially, you know, look at the, the season's coming to a close. We have a big cup final. We don't need extra drama. Right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was, I kind of, you know, chuckled when I saw the lineup and I was like, yeah, well, the bust up couldn't have been that bad. It should be starting uh, just a few days later. So I'm sure it was a bit overblown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll stick with you. We, We've seen Pulisic now play two consecutive games. Uh, he started against Wolves in a, in a different position than he did, at least today. Um, a lot has been made about the fact that Tuchel doesn't play him, especially since we live uh, in America and a lot of people and pundits have thoughts about Tuchel not giving him the right time uh, or not giving him enough game time. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? And, and do you think Tuchel's actually doing a good job of managing his minutes and his fitness? I'm as big of a Pulisic fan as you'll find, right? Um, I travel for the the national team just as much as I travel uh, to see Chelsea. Chelsea is a tough squad to get into, right? I mean, this is an elite team and no one is guaranteed that spot. And it's unfortunate with a lot of the injury, you know, like he kind of just seems to go in these, you know, ebbs and flows, right? Like a, he'll kind of go and have a few games in a row where he's picking up steam, right. Uh, you know, uh, certainly getting assists, if not goals. Right. And then, you know, picks up a little injury. And then it's just, when you lose that momentum, it's just right. a tough, I think the reality is it's t- it's a tough squad to get back into once you removed, right. Cause you're basically waiting for someone else to make a mistake and open up that <laughs> opportunity. And uh, so I think it's just kind of a unfortunate situation, you know, like, I'm sure he wants to play more as a U.S. fan. I would love to see him play more on that margin, but he's got to he's got to earn it, right? Um, and you know, so I mean, was you know excited to see him uh, you know get on the score sheet today, but you know he's got to he's got to keep that up if he wants to play in big matches like an FA Cup final or or things like that. Yeah, I, I, Jackie and I were just continuously nodding through everything you just said because we've shared some of those sentiments and, and things you shared about Pulisic because we'd love to see him playing more too, but we know what, what happens when he goes out of the team with an injury and, and we would rather not him be out injured for a while versus missing maybe a game or two, just um, being managed in, his, in terms of his fitness. Uh, Jackie Lukaku starts again. We've seen him. Obviously he also gets onto the score sheet, but uh, any change you've noticed in the way he does things or at least the way t- the team does things in terms of playing with him a little bit better look i think it was always going to take some time for lukaku to settle and he had a few good games at the beginning of when he first joined chelsea and then obviously you get injured you go out of form interview comes out we've said this multiple times before you're mentally not really prepared and i, I think taking a seat back was a good thing for him but as far as the team has changed things, I do believe they're looking for him a little bit quicker. And I think that comes with confidence in playing more and more. You're going to want to find your player. You're going to want to find Lukaku. You're going to want to say, I know where he is. I've built that relationship with him and they're looking for him. And of course he gets a goal, but it's on and more than one occasion. They're looking for him with a cross or with a through ball and trying to give him those opportunities that we know he can put away, especially like he did in the previous game. So uh, conflicted feelings, happy to have Lukaku on the score sheet, happy to have him back in the team wondering where Kai Havertz fits in all the mix. It's it's like Allison said, it's an amazing squad, a lot of great players. And so whoever is on form is going to get the call and whoever is not is going to have to work really hard to get back into the team. Absolutely. But one man that has worked hard all season is Mason Mount. And he steps up early in that first half, gets us a goal that honestly, I think we needed that early because it was going to be a tough game. It was going to be a game where leads were going to be feisty 
and even after being a goal down, they were feisty. But let's talk about Mason Mon's goal. Uh, a delayed run, maybe Lampard-esque in a sense, with a, a beautiful finish into the top corner, um, just what we needed. I have a quick stat here before I'll ask Allison uh, her thoughts on Mason. He becomes the youngest player to hit 10-plus goals and 10-plus assists in the same season for Chelsea. And some of the names that he has overtaken in terms of obviously the age, but uh, joins them at least on this stat is Juan Mata, Frank Lampard, Didier Drogba, and Eden Hazard. Um, Allison, a lot of people are a little too critical with Mason Mount sometimes, uh, but is he a, a victim of his own high standards that he set in the last 18 months of being in this first team squad? Yeah, you know, and I think some of it also just, I mean, and, you know, the fans are the you know, chief to blame, blame amongst this, right? Like, gosh, when we have like some of the talented, like like a, a Mace or a Reese James or some of these really talented youngsters that, I mean, could be the star of the team for the next decade, right? It's just hard not to build them up like a lot and then hold them to a higher standard that then maybe is reasonable to hold someone, um, you know, at that age and level of experience. But I mean, even with a high standard, I mean, right now, I mean, he's at the top of my team sheet and you know, unless he's injured or needs to be rested for, um, you know, game management or whatnot, like I'm starting him every time, right? I mean, it's just, you know, hard worker, gets assists, get goals, great on, you know, set pieces, or he's just such a versatile um, really box-to-box midfielder that just the, um, is good on the attack. It's pretty rare to come across that, especially at such a young age. And yeah, I just hope we hang on to him as long as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. And uh, we do hear the, the stories and the rumors coming out that Todd Bowley is going to give new contracts to Mason Mount and Reese James. And uh, those are very well-deserved and richly deserved. Uh, Jackie, your thoughts on Mason Mount. I know you're wearing your Mason Mount jersey, but uh, thoughts on that goal and, and just the numbers he's hitting, right? We see it, we talk about it, but he's the numbers are backing it up. Yeah, look, absolutely. I'm wearing my Mason Mount jersey for a reason. I've not bought a jersey since I bought a Frank Lampard jersey in 2007. So it's got to be a high praise player for me to pick up a jersey like that. And it's Mason Mount. And I have to be very honest in the podcast. I think if I look back three years ago, Mason Mount wouldn't have been the first name on the team sheet for me. In fact, he was still proving himself. And, you know, to offer something else to what Allison said, absolutely, he set some high standards. But maybe he was also a victim of the fact that we as Chelsea fans are used to the biggest signing in the market. I think back to the early days of Michael Ballack's in the market, go get him. Michael Essen's in the market, go get him. Aiden Hazard comes out, next young thing, go get him. So we've always preached and we've always wanted youth, but for somebody to be relied on so heavily in that first season under Frank Lampard was like, is he forcing him? Is he not ready? But every time I wanted to question Mason Mount, he would shut me up right away with an amazing performance. And so he's earned that love and that belief. And ultimately it's, it is, it has put him on a pedestal where, well, he, he didn't score this game. He didn't assist. Oh, he had a poor game. No, he didn't. He had an amazing game. It's just, he's, he has such high standards at this point that I expect so much from him, but the goal. Wow. What a goal. And Lampard-esque. Yes. But also a little bit different from Frank and the fact that I don't want to put Frank down, but Mason plays a variety of positions. We've seen him on the left wing. We've seen him on the right wing. We've seen him coming from deep sometimes, maybe a false sign. And today he comes from the right and beautifully hit that ball and you know if he keeps doing that season after season he's going to echo frank's numbers and it's going to be amazing to have him the team for the next decade or so yeah absolutely and and he's definitely going to be on our team sheets like allison said for for the final but 
Uh, we'll get to that in just a bit. Another incident from that first half was an awful tackle from Dan James on Kovacic, which uh, may have ruled him out for this weekend. Hopefully not. Uh, but there was a lot of debate, and maybe that was just rival fans bantering or, or trying to be uh, funny, that that wasn't a red card. I, to me, that was a red card every day of the week uh, and twice on Sundays. Alison, did you get to catch that that awful tackle and then the outbreak from the, the not just Dan James, but Leeds fans and Jesse Marsh as to, like, why was that a red card? I mean, you just got to look at it. <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, well, unfortunately, I, I did watch uh, <laughs> the the replay of that um, after I got out of meetings. And yeah, I mean, I mean, fair enough if you're on like the other side of the stadium, and you know, you always want to kind of side with your team or whatnot. Like anyone who had any kind of good view of that or saw the replay, I mean, you've got to be joking to not call that a absolute straight red. Like if a Chelsea play, you know, if a Chelsea player did that, I'd be like, oh, that's unfortunate. But yeah, we we deserve that. Right. I mean, it's like a, you just can't argue with it. It's that clear. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a red and uh, Jackie, we talk about referees and we talk about VAR in this case, Anthony Taylor doesn't have the best history with Chelsea uh, gives that decision right away in terms of it's a red card. I'm not going to rely on VAR. Uh, And I think that's something that we do have to commend him on because a lot of the times we say referees don't make the decisions in this case he did. And 100%, I think he did it in the right fashion as well. He didn't just run up there and escalate the situation, throwing off the red card. He had a clean view of it. He took a step back. He blew his whistle, maybe took a breath or two just to analyze what was going on. And then he'd made his decision, which was commendable, absolutely commendable, because there are situations where, yes, it looks like a rough tackle, but it's not necessarily a red card. But when you rush in like that, it it heats up the moment. And we know the history between Chelsea and Leeds. It's not always going to be fun if, a referee's running up there with a red card. And so I think he handled it very well. I think he got the decision right. Being a Chelsea fan, obviously, I, I want to say it's a red card, but looking back two, three times, studs up, on the leg, heavy tackle, it's a red card all day. Yeah, absolutely. So that brought Leeds down to 10. Uh, and honestly, from that point forward, Chelsea, not that we weren't in control before, but that just, we had more of the ball and uh, we were, we just had to score the second goal, which comes from, uh, Alison, you did mention it earlier, comes from Pulisic. And another good finish, I think an acute finish in the sense that it was placed perfectly to the bottom corner. Um, You said he needs to be doing that more often. Uh, Having scored that, he has now been involved in four goals scored in the last five games, and he's only started two games. So he is making the impact from the bench. Would you make a case or say he needs to start this weekend? I mean, he's in good form, so I I certainly... uh... I think he's up to the task if he gets the call, right? I think it's our attack right now is that's the one part of the the pitch that like, I don't have like the like immediate answer of yeah, yeah. These, <laughs> these are my starters, right? Because it's, you know, they're all so talented and yet they play off of each other in different ways. And at the end of the day, you don't just need like the best people, individuals out there. You need the best combination of individuals out there that are likely to get so the, the most exciting thing to me when I was watching the replay uh, this evening was just the build up to that goal. I mean, that was just like pass, pass, yeah. you know, perfect finish. You know, you know that um, credit to Christian, it was a great finish. But you know, the chemistry that enables those sorts of you know quick passes, you know, that's what sets up goals like that. And whoever can you know pull that together on Saturday, like that's why I want to start. 
<laughs> That's fair. And I, I'm glad you touched on the buildup because it was faster. Uh, it was one touch passing in, from Jorginho to Mason Mount, who lays it off for Pulisic and he finishes it. I think we do need to see a little bit more of that instead of going out wide and trying to play it and, and keep the ball. Um, Jackie, the final goal comes from Romelu Lukaku. Um, a good break from Chelsea Loftus Street feeds Ziek, who lays it to Lukaku, but he doesn't decide to finish first time. He doesn't decide to finish second time or the third time, even the fourth time. He takes a few touches, brings it back onto his left, uh, and then finds a net. In the in the whole time that was happening, did you think the opportunity was gone? Because I certainly did. Yeah, I thought the opportunity was long gone. The fact that he was able to, you know, save it was pretty impressive at the end of the day. But Maybe I'm being a little bit critical, but I expect a lot, just like with Mason Mount. Romelu Lukaku is one of those that I always say got away. We could have had him at his early days, and maybe he could have been in the team now for the last, you know, seven, eight years doing something amazing. But life happens. He moved on, went on to become a better player, came back for a huge sum of money. And so here's where I get a little bit critical. I think a Romelu Lukaku that's in form, that's full of confidence, he's smashing down the net the first touch. It's a little bit worrisome when you have to take four, five, six touches. But ultimately, when the goals keep going in, I think that will help him build his confidence. And hopefully he gets a really solid preseason. I've said this before with Chelsea. He gets a really solid preseason and can get off the ground running because he's showing glimmers of what we bought Romelu Lukaku to do. And so if he can get to that fully finished product, I think it's going to be a crazy season for him next year. And, and I don't want to jinx it, but that's how I feel for now. Yeah, and I, I think at least certainly that's all what all of us are hoping because uh, he is our goal scorer, or at least the, what we intended him to be. Um, Allison, just before we move on from the leads, what have you made of Lukaku this season, right? He comes in big money move, starts off very well, gets injured, then the interview happens, and then it's just been up and down. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on it before um, we move on to the FA Cup preview. Yeah, no, I mean, gosh, it's a, a roller coaster of emotions is like the best way to describe it. Because, I mean, what a great start to the season, right? And it was just like the joy in watching us have a strong, um, you know, striker that we could, you know, like can uh, actually like, you know, muscle people off and be good at headers, right? I mean, like I was, you've gotten so used to us playing with like a false nine just out of necessity. Uh, and, and again, like, you know, sometimes it works, right? But um, it just felt like, gosh, we have a striker again, and how exciting is that? And then, you know, that kind of just the big dip in the middle of the season and all the drama with the interview. And uh, I mean, it's like, I'm certainly ha- glad that he seems to be getting into better form, heading into some really, you know, important matches at the end of the season. Uh, and I hope that can continue uh, into into next year. But, you know, I think a lot depends on, like, I want him to want to be here and want to be that striker and to be the next Chelsea legend of, you know, many amazing strikers in our history. And if he doesn't like, you know, the, no one's bigger than the club, right? Like wish him well and hope we can get someone in the transfer money now that, you know, in the transfer market, now that we have a, a new owner excited to, who says he's excited to do that kind of stuff. But I got to, it's, you know, flip a coin. If I had to like predict how it's going to work out, I hope, I hope well, but you know, part of me wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it just like slumps back down again. And you know, that's just kind of our luck. I feel uh, ever since Drogba left with having a consistent striker that, you know, is good for more than, you know, two months. 
Yeah, and, and that's the tricky part is we we've had we've had it before with Morata. Uh, and now again with Lukaku tours in the past where, like you said, two months, three months, we're all excited. And then it suddenly just falls off a cliff. Uh, but hopefully in Lukaku's case, it, it comes back around next season. And we saw it with Kai Havertz this season. Uh, the second season was better than the first. So um, even with, with everything that's gone on, he's hit 15 goals. So hopefully that's a sign of things to come for, for next season. But let's move on to, like I said, the FA Cup. We actually have the ultimate FA Cup weekend uh, with the men playing on Saturday and then the women playing on Sunday. So I've prepared two quizzes here for uh, Jackie and Allison to go head to head. Uh, and I guess Allison could be the Chelsea and maybe Jackie could be the Liverpool of, 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 um, of this quiz. But uh, I'll ask you both three questions each and then there's a tiebreaker if we need to get to that point. Uh, Allison, the way it works is I'll ask you the question. And I'll present you with three options and, and it'll help us build up to the, the events this weekend. So let's get started. Uh, the last time Liverpool and Chelsea faced an FA Cup final was 2012. Who scored the winner for Chelsea? So the first option is, was it Ramirez, Frank Lampard or Didier Drogba? And I, to be clear, I am fully prepared to lose this quiz. Memory <laughs> is just like in one ear, out the other. Um, gosh, who had it? Who scored? I'm gonna go Drogba because he scores. I'm gonna go Drogba. I'm. My memory is horrible. I apologize in advance. I swear I love Chelsea. No, that's that's actually the correct answer and a safe bet at at least at Wembley because Drogba was Mr. Cup final. Uh, and he scored in the 52nd minute after Ramirez had given us the lead uh, earlier in the game. Uh, so you do get that one right, Jackie. Uh, the pressure is on already. Uh, in that same game, with the game finally balanced at 2-1 after Drogba had scored the second, uh, whose header did Petr Cech save to essentially win us the game? So whose header for Liverpool? Uh, was it Luis Suarez, Martin Skirtle, or Andy Carroll? So I don't remember Drogba scoring the goal, but I do remember the save because my heart was in my mouth and it was Andy Carroll, if I'm not mistaken. Andy Carroll is right. He had actually scored the first one for Liverpool uh, and then had this header that was basically going in and Petr Cech out of nowhere, palms it onto the post and then it falls to Ivanovic who clears it uh, and goal line technology didn't call it. So it stayed 2-1 and, and that's how we ended up winning. So it's 1-1. Uh, Allison, here's the second question, and, and I kept it a little more recent. Hopefully, this will, will this will stick. Um, we faced Liverpool three times this season, twice in the league and once in the Carabao Cup. All three have ended as draws, at least in 90 minutes. How many goals have we scored in these three games? Is it three, four, or six? Now you're breaking up math questions. <laughs> yeah. It was I, I so the first game was back in August, so maybe that might be a little little uh, long ago. But the second one in the Premier League was the beginning of January, and obviously the Carabao Cup uh, at the end of February. Uh, I'm going to say four. Off by one, it was three. So we scored one at Anfield, and then two uh, at at the bridge where it ended 2-2 and 1-1 at Anfield and obviously nil-nil uh, at least in 90 minutes in the Carabao Cup. So, Jackie, here's your second question. Uh, in the Carabao Cup again, who stepped up first for Chelsea after Milner had scored the penalty to put Liverpool up 1-0? Was it Jorginho, Marcus Alonso, or Mason Mount? You know, there were like 22 penalties <laughs> <that> day, right? <laughs> 
Uh, well, it, the, the obvious one was who missed, right? But like we all know that. So, yeah. what are the choices again, please? Uh, is it Jorginho, Marcus Alonso, or Mason Mount? M Mason Mount. It was Marcus Alonso. I was gonna. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marcus Alonso stepped up. He obviously scored, and we went back and forth, back and forth until Kepa stepped up uh, and unfortunately missed. So it's still tied 1-1, Elson. You could put the pressure back on Jackie here. Uh, who's Chelsea's top goal scorer in the FA Cup this season? I have three players for you. Pretty simple. No more math. No more going back down uh, memory lane. Is it Timo Werner, Kai Havertz, or Romelu Lukaku? Havertz? It is Lukaku. He's gotten three goals. Uh, he scored at home to Chesterfield, Luton away, and Middlesbrough away. So it's set up for him to be the main man this weekend, but we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. So, Jackie, here's your last question, um, and hopefully I don't have to use my tiebreaker, but I'm ready. <laughs> um, have, how many goals have we scored in total in the FA Cup this season in five games? Is it 14 goals, 16 goals, or 18 goals? I honestly don't know, but I'm just going to take a guess because I think we had a good game against one of the lower league teams. So I'm going to go 18 goals. It is actually 14. So after the first game, which was 5-1 to Chelsea against yeah. Chesterfield, uh, we dropped a little bit and got only two against Plymouth, three against Luton, two against Borough, and then most recently two against Palace. So it has stayed 1-1. Um, I have two tiebreakers because I think you might both might get the first one <laughs> so who was the first German manager to manage in an FA Cup final is it Jurgen Klopp Thomas Tuchel uh, David Wagner or the I have four options here Daniel Farkas so Alison I'll start with you just to manage in it not to win right I hope it's not Klopp but I'll guess Klopp Okay, Jackie, what's your guess? I think it's Thomas Tuchel. It is Thomas Tuchel. He became the first manager last season in 2021 to take uh, his team to the final. Unfortunately, he didn't become the first manager to win it, which hopefully this time around will change. Um, so that ends 2-1, but that was a very tightly contested uh, <laughs> quiz, and, and uh, hopefully that's not how the game goes this weekend in terms of how close it is, but uh, we'll take a 2-1 win all the same. Uh, but let's preview the, the game in a little bit more detail. So like we said, we've had three uh, games against them this season. They haven't beaten us. We haven't beaten them at least in 90 minutes. Uh, sticking with the three theme, we've made it to three consecutive FA Cup finals. Uh, it, we made it in 2020, 2021, and this season. We lost the last two against Arsenal and Leicester. But this time around, I think we may not be the favorites, and that may play to our, our advantage. So, Alex, in terms of a starting 11, who do you go in, in goal with? Uh, Kepa has played the, the first few games of, of this competition, but Mendy did come in for uh, the semifinals. So do you stick with Mendy? I stick with Matt. I mean, appreciate all the work Kepa did to help get us here, but I mean, in a big match, Mendy's my number one every time. Absolutely. And I think the clean sheet today will will help him uh, going into that game. Jackie, I have a a big issue here because I don't know who we pick at right center back because we have 
a few options that Tuchel's picked and a few players that may have worked their way into his mind, at least after today. So do we go with Chaloba? Do we go with Escalaqueta? Do we go with Reese James? Who plays at that right center back position, knowing that they may come up against maybe Mane or Luis Diaz? You know, it's a tough question, and history would say that Thomas Tuchel prefers Reese James at that right center back position just because of pace. Like you said, Luis Diaz or Mane, but I think Chaloba has done a good job as an audition in this particular game. And so maybe to get the best of both worlds where you can have Reese James playing on his traditional right wing back position, maybe Chaloba, but Thomas Tuchel has always kept me guessing. So we'll see what he decides, but maybe Chaloba is the guy I would go with. Yeah. And Chaloba did play in the Carabao Cup final. And I do have to say he did a very good job uh, on both of those players that I mentioned for Liverpool. So, okay. So Mendy in goal, Chaloba at right center back. Elson, I think the other two picked themselves in Thiago Silva and Rudiger, right? Yeah, I mean, unless someone gets a, you know, knock in training between now and then, I don't see how you don't get them on the field. Right. I, I hope no more injuries or, or knocks. <laughs> uh, right center back, or right wing back, I beg your pardon, then Allison would be Reese James if Chalaba is playing that right center back position. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Reese has got to be in one of those positions, right? I think he shines more in the wing back, but uh, like what an awesome player. So you got to find a way to get him in there somewhere. I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I'll stick with you, Allison. Midfield, coach it if he's out. I know Tuchel said it's going to be pretty unlikely that he makes it, but that, those could be some mind games. Uh, Conte, we don't know if he's back yet or is close to being back. Uh, so we have options of... Conte, if he comes back, Jorginho or Ruben Loftus-Cheek playing in there, or Kovacic if he isn't as badly injured as we think. Who would be your two in that midfield? I mean, if if Kova is fit, Kova and Jorginho, I, I mean, I would be pleasantly surprised if that's the case after seeing that tackle right. today, right? Um, in which case, I'd probably, I mean, I think uh, Ruben, you know, can do, uh, you know, he's up, he's been pretty good the last couple games and you know, it's just a Conte is such a question mark at the moment, right. Of, you know, being in and out and, you know, is he fully fit and all that? It's just a, I don't think you can risk that in, in that type of match. Right. You go with. Yeah. Lock to chic. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a high, highly intense game with, we know how Liverpool play and, and we need players to be a hundred percent. Jackie, that left wing back, I think we, Allison mentioned, and we've mentioned the bust up seems to be in the past. So Alonso does continue for you. Yeah, he has to. And I think he's contributed well when called upon. Obviously, we know when Ben Chilwell is fit, Ben Chilwell finds a way into everybody's hearts and into that starting lineup. But Alonso has been a, a very good servant for Chelsea over the last few years, and he gets to call up for a final. And hopefully he can take another one and add it to the win. So that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Uh, now, Alison, I have a another issue here because I know Mason plays as one of the front three but I'm not sure who the other two are because it could be Pulisic, it could be Kai, it could be Lukaku, it could be Ziyech, it could be Timo Werner. Uh, so who would be your two that you might want to go with knowing that maybe Liverpool do end up playing that higher line so we do need some pace? Yeah, I think, you know, I probably, if you can start Timo, I know it's not, uh, he probably wouldn't pick the position, right? But Timo's got the pace, right? Yeah. Put him out on the wing, and put Lukaku in the center and hope we can, you know, feed, feed balls in and, you know, uh, and have it work out. But, the, you know, 
I think Pulisic can come off the bench. Ziyech can come off the bench. Kai can come off the bench, right? So like, as can Timo, as can, right? So the, this, I think the bench is going to matter in a game like this, right? Just, you know, it's going to be high intensity, high pace. And, you know, someone just needs to get us through the first, you know, 60, 65 minutes, hopefully with a goal and then, you know, bring in the reinforcements and, you know, have a thrilling end, we hope. Yeah. Uh, Jackie, what are your thoughts? Who do you think... I know Tuchel obviously makes a decision, but who do you like to see? I personally like to see Christian Pulisic. I think he's very direct, and with Liverpool playing a high line, he's definitely an option to dribble dribble past some players, get in behind. And then I love Kai Havertz. He's done a really good job this season. He stepped up really, really well. But I think this game is is shaping up for Romelu Lukaku. With Mason Mount and Pulisic flanking him, a lot of options there. And obviously with Virgil van Dijk, I think you need somebody strong to keep him occupied. And this is going to be a challenge for Lukaku. Let's see if he can step up to it. Yeah. And, and hopefully the last two games where he scored uh, and, and performed pretty well, he takes that confidence into, into this game. Uh, I have one last final question for you about the lineup. If this goes to penalties, is Kepa coming on? Ellison, what do you think? I wouldn't be surprised, but I hope not. I, I, I personally not a huge fan of the switching uh, out of the keeper right before it. Um, like obviously, I'll support whoever is uh, right. you know in the net. But um, and Kepa is good at penalties, but it's just um, I don't I don't like that. That's become the because Mendy's an awesome keeper, right? So like this notion that somehow I worry that somehow psychologically, like it's like we're, we're telling him we don't trust you, <laughs> even though you're a clear number one, we don't trust you in this like important moment, right? Like if that continually happens, that just, I don't know. I'm not a sports psychologist, but that doesn't seem super positive to me. Yeah, and, and I think the fact that Kepa may not have played, I might be wrong since that game, he might've played maybe a couple of games uh, to do come back into that similar situation against the same team, uh, psychologically, like you said, might be might be a little tricky. But Jackie, what are your your thoughts? No, look, I have to echo what Allison is saying. I, I, I love Kepa, and I think he is a very good shot stopper when it comes to penalties. But psychologically, I think it's you're not warmed up, you're not physically in the game, you have not felt where Salah is, where Mane is, where Luis Diaz is, and what they're feeling. And so, while I think he can do the job, and he's done it on many occasions, stick with Mendy go through there and ultimately the goal should not be to go to penalties we should try and win this game in 90 minutes and if we have to go to extra time win it in extra time but yeah i would not swap out our goalkeeper at that point in time okay and and that brings me to my next uh prediction here is is the score prediction so uh, i'll stick with you jackie what do you no no penalties but what do you think happens before that so we've had a 2-2, we had a 1-1, we have a 0-0, and so history calls for a draw, but I can't bring myself to predict a draw. But I'm going to chicken out a little bit and go for a win. I can't <laughs> give you a scoreline, but I'm going to go for a Chelsea win. Hey, come on, Alison, you, 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 <laughs> I know you can give me a scoreline. <laughs> I'm going to – both of these teams are high quality and in good form. I can't imagine a scenario in which we're both not scoring um, – so I think it'll probably be two. It'll be two one either way. I or two one either way. Um, I certainly hope it is two one Chelsea. That'll be my pick for the record. But um, you know, you got some good keepers there. So the notion that this would somehow turn into you know a four two, you know, kind of you know madhouse just seems unlikely. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And I, I think I'm going to go for a 1-1 at 90 minutes and then a 2-1 win for Chelsea in in added time. But no penalties for me either because after the, the Carabao Cup, I, I can't handle it. I can't take it anymore. Um, Jackie, do you, I just want to touch on a point Allison brought up. Do you, are you anticipating a, a crazy wild game like we saw at the bridge or are you anticipating end of season, a cup final, it's going to be cagey, it's going to be tired legs, just a scrappy game overall? You know, I would love for this to be wide open and for us to go out there and hit them with the one-two punch. They come back, we go through. But realistically, these teams, both of them, I think, are going to end the season with 68 or 69 games each played, which is the highest possible games you can play. Liverpool, because they're going to the Champions League final, us because we played in the World Club Cup. So a lot of football played, bodies are tired, legs are tired, mentally exhausted, but silverware is on the line. And so I think everybody's going to be a little bit calculated. It really is going to come down to tactics if either of our managers, the Liverpool manager or Thomas Tuchel, are going to overthink it. I hope not. I think they should go with their gut and what makes sense to them. And it might be cagey and hopefully we get the win. That's all I'm hoping for at this point. Absolutely. But let's move on to Sunday. Uh, which is the women's FA Cup final. And, and we'll do our quiz again, and then we can um, just do some predictions for that game as well. So, uh, Alison, hopefully I'm, I'm not going too far back here uh, and, and testing your memory, but who did Chelsea beat in last season's FA Cup final, which was played, I'll give you a hint, in December? Um, was it Arsenal, Manchester United, or Tottenham? Um, is it Arsenal? Arsenal is the right answer. Uh, I'm not going to give the score line because, Jackie, that is the question I have for you. What was the score in that game? Was it 3-0 to Chelsea, 2-1 to Chelsea, or 3-2 to Chelsea? I think it was 3-0. I was going to say we covered it here. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it was 3-0, and it was two goals from Sam Kerr and the other one from uh, Fran Kirby. So uh, it's 1-1. Alison, I'll come back to you. How many times have Chelsea won the Women's FA Cup? Is it two, three, or four? Three. Three is correct. Uh, we won it in 2015, 2018, and 2021, which was the, the most recent one. Uh, Arsenal do have 14, so we still have some ways to go, but we're, we're headed the right way. Uh, Jackie, in this season's FA Cup, who did we beat in the semifinals? Was it Everton, Arsenal, or Tottenham? I believe it was Tottenham. It was Arsenal. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was right at the end of this this, this season, actually, last month. Uh, and we beat them 2-0 away from home. Goals from Gura Wrighton and G, who will be playing her, her final game for Chelsea. Um, Alison, you could win this at this point with this question. Uh, the last time these two played, Manchester City and Chelsea, in a final was the Conti Cup final earlier this season. What was the final score? Was it 2-1 to Chelsea, 3-1 to City, 3-1 to Chelsea? 3-1 to Chelsea. It was 3-1 to City. We, we took the lead in that game, but we lost it uh, in the second half. So um, hopefully there is some, some redemption and some revenge here. But Jackie, your final question. Uh, Chelsea can do a league and cup double for a fourth time in their history, the women's squad. When was the first time? 2012, 2014, or 2015? I think it was 2015, if I'm not mistaken. 
2015 is correct. That was the first time they won the league and the cup, and then they've done it uh, three more times since then. 2018, 2021, obviously last time around, and this time could be the fourth time after securing the league uh, last weekend. I don't have a tiebreaker for this because um, I didn't want to go too far back into the history, so we'll, <laughs> we'll end it as a draw. Uh, and let's talk about the game. So Manchester City against Chelsea, like we said, they've, they've lost in the Conti Cup final. Uh, I think that came down to the fact that in the second half, our midfield just got overrun uh, and City scored goals and it was a one-two punch. But in this game, uh, coming out the back of last weekend's uh, WSL win, I think Chelsea, the women's squad, should see it through. Um in terms of predictions, Allison, what do you? How do you see this game going? And and it's going to be about fifty thousand people watching, which is which is awesome, um, at at the Wembley Stadium. How do you see this going? And do you think Chelsea win it? You know, I think we do. Uh, I don't know, unless they've been having a little bit too much fun celebrating uh, the the league victory <laughs> this past week. I mean, we've had some good women's squads, like. I mean, this is lights out. I mean, the, Sam Kerr's goal last week, like that is as good as any Chelsea goal I have ever seen, <laughs> you know, on a pitch before. And, and, uh, and, and she just, scored two that were like just mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean, so with that level of talent, like to me, it's like they're, and they've been the most consistent all season. It's their match to lose. They should win. I think they have the momentum on their side. Um, it's just kind of, you know, uh, I, I, I had blocked the uh, the league cup uh, out of my out of my head, obviously, <laughs> and then you know, similar with some of the uh, you know Champions League um, you know in recent years and whatnot. Yeah. But it seems like it, if you had to bet, it's going to go well. And you know, if something weird happens that throws them off early, like that's when it kind of goes off the rails. You know, but normally only like once a season, and I feel like we've already had that um, in the last uh, cup final. You know, in the last cup final, so they should be good to go this time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And um, the game, I think even last week was the first half wasn't as as good as you would think. But I think getting the result in the second half is hopefully going to drive them on uh, in this final. Jackie, what are your thoughts? Uh, and would you start G in this game being her final game uh, in a Chelsea shirt? And the fact that she did score in the semifinal and made a massive impact in that United game last week. Yeah, before I get to the Chelsea side, I just want to cover the Manchester City side for just a quick second. They did finish third in the Super League, nine points behind us. But we have to commend them. Their last five games were all wins. And so they're coming into this game with a lot of form as well. And so I do believe the Chelsea women will win the game. I do believe we have a superior squad. I do believe we have world-class talent. But I wanted to give Manchester City that shout that they are coming off a rich vein of form as well. Um, coming back to your question in regards to G, I would. I do think I would start her. Not, not just because I think every player deserves a strong farewell. I think she's earned it. I think she came on and changed that last game with uh, her vision and her work rate. And so absolutely, I'd give her a chance to go there. And I'm pipping Chelsea for a win. And the usual girls will come back on the score sheet, I think, with Sam Kerr and others. But that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. It's, and speaking of Sam Kerr, she did score a brilliant goal in the last FA Cup final. Uh, that chip over over Arsenal goalie so she's one for the big games and and hopefully she'll come through this time around Uh, but any score predictions I can get from the both of you for this game before we wrap it up Jackie yeah look it's tough because you I didn't get a score prediction for the Liverpool game for the men's side Uh, women's side have been flying high they've been scoring a lot of goals so I'm gonna go for a 3-1 to Chelsea 
All right. And uh, your prediction, Allison? I'll go 3-2 to Chelsea. Ooh, exciting game there. Exciting game. <laughs> Um, hopefully it doesn't come down to what Jackie and I say on most weekends is the women's have to save the weekend because the men, <laughs> men's let it slip. Uh, but in either case, it's two big finals and an opportunity to end, uh, the season with, with two big trophies. And in the men's case, a trophy that we haven't won since 2018. So, uh, hopefully we can bring it home and, and end the Wembley blues that we've had for the last few seasons. Um, Allison, Thank you very much for joining us. It was it was fun talking to you, learning more about you, but also about uh, Chelsea in America. And hopefully we'll get to see you this summer. Uh, Jackie and I are planning to go out there to one of the games, uh, maybe two, but we'll, we'll definitely let you know. And, and hopefully we can join in on, on the parties and, and uh, sing, sing our hearts out to Chelsea. Jackie, any thoughts from you before we wrap it up? No, you did a good job echoing it out, but I'd like to repeat the same. It's been a fun situation you're having you especially when i get to win one quiz i don't always win a quiz so i thought i had a bad memory i'm not no i'm just poking some fun at you there no it's been a lot of fun uh, got a lot of education here today on you know the the teams that are out there the groups that are out there and how they roll up into chelsea in america and so um thank you so much for being on today absolutely okay. whenever you need to pick me up and someone to beat in the quiz um Alison, if you obviously anything you need us with uh, this summer with the tour with promoting it anything on Instagram or obviously on the podcast do let us know and we'll, we'll be more than happy to do it. Uh, we do chat with the the guys that run the the Instagram account all, all, most of the time so um, we'll be in touch with them but you have my email and, and uh, you can definitely reach out awesome. to us at any point. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on Apple, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. And we're also officially now on Amazon Music. So uh, go check us out. But as always, send us your feedback, and we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels. Hey, guys. The Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home. So you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.